What up, everybody? As always, it's your boy Q. And it's your boy Big Facts. Baby, what's up, man? Nothing much, man. Still trying to catch my breath from the James Harden trade yesterday, man. You finally got moved. Got moved to the Nets. I think you, you among anyone else, said that that was going to be the place. I was not a believer of that. You, we started hearing rumors of, of Ben Simmons and, and that going around. Um, but James, Fat James is a net. Yeah, man. I mean, what you saw was, I mean, one thing I tell people is it's funny because James Harden was doing all this shit for the most part without an agent. That's what makes it so crazy. So that's why he's been doing like all this crazy shit to try to force their hand. But he finally, apparently he finally went and got the people. I don't think he hired an agent, but he got an agency. The same people that got Russell Westbrook traded, he got with them. And they are the ones that put this together. And I don't know how long they've been working with them. It's been the past like three or four days. Because um, they said something was already in the works before James Harden's press conference. But I mean, after that press conference, I want to know. I can't wait to the story of what happened in the locker room. Because we saw what happened in the press conference. But obviously, something happened in that locker room. Either halftime after the game, after that, at some point in time, there was an altercation between all of them and James Harden in that locker room. Yeah, and, w- w- and that's pretty evident. Um, man, so let, let's start with the breakdown of James Harden trade, right? So going, you got the break, you got the pick swaps all down. Yeah. So basically, you it ended up being a four-team trade. So the big one is James Harden goes to the Nets. The Nets get a second-round pick from the Cavs, I believe. Um, the Rockets get Dante Exum, Rudis Krukos from the Nets, uh, Victor Oladipo, which they actually got Carlos LeVert. They send it to the Indiana Pacers for Victor Oladipo. Um, Carlos LeVert in a second for Victor Oladipo. Four first-round picks, four pick swaps. Um the Cavs end up getting Jared Allen and um, who's the other person the Cavs got? Jared Allen and Torian Prince. Um, it's been said that you had to take Torian Prince's contract in order to get Jared Allen. The Nets picks. They got a first in 2022, a first in 2024, a first in 2026. They also got an unprotected pick, Milwaukee Bucks unprotected first round pick which is the part of the Jared Allen thing because the Cavs had that pick. In 2022. Yeah, so they got two 2020. They got the Nets pick in 2022, the, the Milwaukee Bucks pick in 2022. Then they get the Nets pick in 2024, Nets pick in 2026. All of those picks are unprotected. Then they get pick swaps in 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. So this is. I think this is the biggest package of picks in NBA history. So everything that we didn't think that the, yeah. the, the Rockets would do, but we already said that the Pelicans changed everything. When the Pelicans got that for Drew Holiday, it was no way that Houston was going to take anything else. And I think, like we talked about, this is this has brought a new day and age in how you trade. Like these three trades has set the bar on how you trade. No longer do you see these bum players in one first round pick. Now you're gonna see packages of picks being thrown around. In the NBA, you can only trade seven picks, uh, seven picks, I believe. But the pick swap is the new thing because now you can have control of picks for like seven straight years. 
Yeah, you know, and I um, yeah, I know you don't believe, and I know that that teams are there are definitely some dumb teams still out there. But like I said, GMs have gotten smarter. Like analytics have come in and said, all right, we're not just giving people away. Like I really do think a lot of teams look at the Kawhi trade. I know why why it happened. We all know why, but they looked at that Kawhi trade, measured it to the AD trade, and like we can't ever have that happen again. Um, I think that's a lot and, of the reason why this you know, happened the, too. Because I mean, Kawhi was a upset um spurs forced their hand and he they were just determined not to trade him to they want to go to and now you see what happened to the spurs they the spurs haven't really recovered from moving Kawhi. nope nope and you look at teams you look at you look at all these recent trades right you look at um you look at new orleans you look at um you you look at what the Rockets got. You look at what OKC got. You look at you look at all that, and you can really see, like, okay, if we're if I'm gonna trade you my my star, you're gonna have to build my future, yeah. right? Like we're gonna get all the best picks when that older star doesn't want to be there, or they're retired, or they're on the down, whatever. When y'all are not competitive, you're gonna build our franchise, and um. It's smart, man, and they used to do this stuff in the '80s. That's that's how that's how James Worthy ended up on the Lakers um, with Magic Johnson. You know what I mean? Like, like so it happens. Um, I think the same thing actually happened with Magic Johnson getting on the Lakers. Um, they, a lottery ball pick that was traded in like '75. Um, so she was you know, she was again, wild back then, s- though, because I mean Larry Bird got drafted and went back to school and some all crazy shit. <laughs> Yeah, no, I just said I'm just saying like you you usually throw a pick yeah. so far out like everybody's like who cares but you're gonna really start to see these teams and small market teams especially have to take these situations as hostage like yeah rebuild you gonna rebuild our team down one way or another uh, for this star so I, I like it man and I, I really like what everyone got I like I really like Levert for the Pacers I think he at this stage is a better version or at least has a higher potential. Um, ceiling than, than Victor Oladipo does at this point. Um, Jared Allen, I can't really... I, I think he got the rawest end of the deal going to Cleveland, messing around with Andre Drummond. They drafted another center. Um, you know, Brooklyn, uh, you know, they're, they're still going to roll out DeAndre Jordan. I don't really get that, but, you know, it is what it is. It's funny. I like this deal for everybody but the Nets. And the reason why, I mean, I know you can say they got James Harden. For one, James Harden's not in shape. Um, he still can affect the game, but I think this is a this is a hard situation for a first time coach like Steve Nash. I don't care how co- uh, how cool Steve Nash is and what type of system he has. I think this is a tough situation for Steve Nash. Now, the only reason that I can think that they would go all in and do this, I mean, everyone's calling it a big three, and they're saying Kyrie, KD, and um, Harden. I don't know if Kyrie comes back, bro. I'm, I'm, I've been reading all this shit. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I don't know what's going on with Kyrie. I don't know if they know what's going on with Kyrie. I don't know why Kyrie's out. Before, you know, I thought it was just Kyrie being Kyrie. But one thing about it is with all the stuff happening in the NBA with the virus, I don't know that it's even safe to be playing. And, you know, Kyrie is one of these conspiracy theorists. He's one of these guys that research. He's all about knowledge. I don't know if it's safe to even be playing right now and Kyrie wants to take that risk. That's number one. Number two, they, they're saying that Kyrie and KD aren't even cool anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, no, because of Kyrie, I can understand why you make this move. It's the same reason why the Celtics kind of did the, some of the things that they did because Kyrie just got hurt and disappeared. The dangerous thing with Kyrie is we've seen this happen to Kyrie before, and it always takes form in an injury. 
You know what I mean? We say, oh, he's out, he's out. But it's always some injury that you probably could play through, and it ends up keeping Kyrie out six months. I mean, that Celtics injury yep. wasn't something that he needed surgery for during the season. When he got traded from the Cavs, he threatened to go do that same surgery before. It's always yep. something, a knee cleanup or something, and it, it's tough for a team because once he does that, you have to pay him because now he's on injury reserve and he gets his money and he doesn't have to play. So I'm not. I, I think that this will work for the Nets because at the base, I think it's going to be James Harden and Kevin Durant. And I think they work perfect together because I don't think James Harden is the ball yep. needs the ball all the time. Like he works off of players and then he get, and I think KD is perfect for that. Um, you add Kyrie to it, it gets murkier. I think that they did have the depth to do that. You know, they lost Dinwiddie to injury. They lost uh Carlos Levert. Um, they lost Jared Allen, which it doesn't seem like they really like playing him anyway. They do have Nick Claxton coming back soon, which they drafted in the first or second round, who's an energy-type player, small ball big. He got to get rid of them sister locks, though, man. I stay thinking that some lady <laughs> over there that's like a trainer or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, he's supposed they're supposed to like him, so he, sh- he should be coming back soon. I don't like it for the... I don't like it for the Nets just because this is the second time that they've given up this package of picks and it didn't work out for them the first time. And it's the same thing. Like we look at it down. We say that all these first round picks, well, if they're contender, they're going to be late round picks. The thing is like all these players can opt out after next season. So yeah, this pick is going to be a late first that they're getting. This is just a pick swap this year. But the brilliance of the Houston Rockets is the picks don't start coming until next year. Well, next year, you're going to get late first from Milwaukee, and you get a late first from um, – you know what I'm thinking about? That pick swap shouldn't even affect them this year because OKC has their pick. So that's weird. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. OKC has has the picks – has Houston's picks. Yeah, so. for 2021. So that's an odd one. But other than that, but when, if these play, if any of these players opt out, then they become better picks. I don't think that happens. I think, one, they, I think that's why they did this deal. They did this deal to get James Harden to make sure that KD opts back in because then you get KD and you get James Harden. You got about a three-year run. Still great for the draft picks. You can, and you can live with that. Yeah, still great for the draft picks because both of them are 31, 32. So in four years, these dudes are going to be 35, 36 years old. You know what I mean? Even at the end of that, one or two of these draft picks may end up as being lottery picks. Um, so I, I think it's good for Houston. I think they got back. I love the way that they. I love what Pacers did. They got rid of that expire. Uh, got rid of that expiring contract of Oladipo. Got a young talent in because they're a small market, so you can control Carlos Levert's contract. I love that. I like that. Just for a simple first round pick, they were able to get Jared Allen the Cavs. I love that because Drummond's expiring contract. So now and they don't. They didn't draft one. They got Drummond and they got uh, they got Javale McGee. They did that okay. trade, and they traded to the Lakers and ended up getting JaVale McGee. So now that enables them yeah. to be able to do some things at the trade deadline. And I actually like what the Cavs are doing. The Cavs are building a nice young core with Darius Garland, Colin Sexton. Okoro has been way better than I thought he would be. Um, and now you, yep. now you add in a young Jared Allen, young, cheap contract. I think I love what they do, and I, I want to see what they do with Andre Drummond. Hopefully they get some of those picks back. So I, I like I like. Let's everything. stay there for a second. Let's stay there for a second, because you know you and I talked about um, Colin Sexton like being a, a six man. You know what I mean, yeah. Jordan Clarkson type. With with Garland coming on, I know he's hurt now, but with Garland coming on, that has done wonders for 
um, I mean, Colin Sexton has been great this year. Like, like really, really, really good. Um, and yes, I do like their young players. They got to figure out what to do with Drummond. I'm sure they're going to get assets for him, so that's going to be no no big deal. Kevin Love the same same way. Um, I like I like what they're doing, man. I really do like what they're doing. You know, we talked about the Pacers, um, and you know, if you if you're Brooklyn, I'm sure you look at it right. Like, so what? Fuck these picks, right? Like, if we can get between now. If we can get a title, or if we're contenders, they're pick swaps, so we're gonna, it's not like we're giving away all those first round picks anyway, so we're going, it's not like we're gonna lose the, some type of talent, and if if anything, you, you we, we'll talk about today, or this year's draft later, these drafts are getting deeper and better, um, and you know, who knows where we'll be by that time. I'm sure we'll have, you know, a lot more players in the G. You know what I mean? Like, but they, the NBA, it, like, this isn't a bad trade for, for, for Brooklyn long-term either. I mean, they've survived it before. I said I don't know why they would do it because it went bad before. But, I mean, they survived it before. I mean, even before they got KD, they, they ended up getting D-Lo and being able to make it to the playoffs. So, that's probably one thing also. Like, if you're smart in this NBA, you can survive it. I mean, I'm a Heat fan. He always yeah. get rid of their draft picks until they like literally half the draft. Like they don't Pat Riley could care less about a draft pick, but they do very well in using their G League team and scouting and bringing in undrafted free agents. If you can do that, then I mean, you can survive these draft picks. Uh if you if you don't believe your team's going to be in the lottery anyway, then it, it's kind of like who cares cuz the chances of you getting somebody outside of 13th pick that's going to be a superstar, it happens. But, I mean, it's not, like, good chances. You know what I mean? Right. Um, all right, man. So, let me ask you this. Does this I, – I know that people are immediately going to say that the Nets are contenders, right? Which I, I have been saying. I think they should, in theory, be contenders. In my opinion, the, La- the Lakers are still the best team in the league. And I, I think the Lakers, I think they are still better than Brooklyn as of now. And I think that because midseason, these dudes don't have no chemistry. You know how I feel about that. Like, not playing together. And, and you kind of touched on it earlier. Who knows what the fuck is going to happen with Kyrie Irving? Like, he could come in and torpedo the whole situation. Or he could take it to, you know, a level that we did not expect. Uh, you know, in the, ter- in the words of your boy MJ, the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> that's still a crazy thing but uh yeah I mean I, I mean I know I know I've been against your whole Nets thing all year but a lot of that has always been I never thought Kyrie and KD like we're gonna work not because they're not talented I mean you saw what they can do on the court personality wise I never thought they mixed because they both have this kind of like I don't know I, I don't know how to describe it but it's not like it's like when you're in co- when you when you have a friend, right? And y'all are cool in high school. You say, "Hey, we're going to go live together." And then you go live with me. You be like, "Oh, fuck this. I didn't know he was like this." I didn't. Fuck you this. know what I mean? Yep. They both kind of have those type of personalities. So I thought when they got together, it wasn't going to be good. And I think that's what happened. I think on the court they're great, but I don't think like personality-wise they mess. James Harden is different. Like I think that James Harden and KD works cuz I think that Oh, absolutely. James Harden don't miss. Absolutely. They just want to hoop. Like, James Harden and KD, no matter what you say, they're going to play in almost every game. They just want to hoop. And I think it works. It works way better than Kyrie. Pick and roll with them going to be unstoppable. Yeah. So, I, I love James Harden. I love James Harden and KD. Um, DeAndre Jordan, 
And they kept Joe Harris. Yeah, so that's what I was like, about to say. So you got Joe Harris. You still got Landry Schmidt. Um, it's kind of whatever with DeAndre. He got to start making some shots though. Huh? Yeah, they just they Landry got to start making some shots. But they got but, Jeff Green. Yeah, that's the key. Jo- they got Jeff Green who can play some center yep. path for like. This can work in the East, and I actually I like them. I don't I want to see them more, but I, I to me it kind of makes them the favorite. Uh, if Kyrie doesn't blow it up, but it, it steals on Kyrie. What does Kyrie do? Because Kyrie can go in there and piss everybody off. You know what I mean? See, and you know I think I mentioned in a group chat a couple days ago. Like, in my opinion, you know, teams seem to get better by subtracting Kyrie. Uh, you know, one way or the other. Like, teams seem to get better. Um, I don't know. So, let me ask you something, man. And just for you, you know, I know, y'all, we usually keep this podcast to an hour. We've been gone for a couple weeks. Uh, this is going to be a long podcast. So, I, I want to ask you something. Let's, take, let's, let's go to tw- 2030 real quick. Like, let's say Ky- this Kyrie shit. Let's say, he does, he, let's say he's like, fuck this. I'm, I'm done. I'm not playing again. How does history remember Kyrie, the version that we've seen to this point? We can't judge for the future, but for where we are right now. It's funny because on uh, like I, on that podcast, I think it was the uh, which podcast was he on? Richard Jefferson's podcast, maybe. He said that a friend told him that he's going to be the Lauren Hill of basketball, and that's like the perfect analogy because he has one of the greatest, it really is he has one of the greatest moments in NBA history. That's sitting there. That's gonna make it hard to ever put him in any category. Like you can't say he wasn't great because he did. He was part of a a three one comeback against the Golden State Warriors team that was great and won seventy two games. And he hit the biggest. Like he has all of that. Everything after that is kind of like what the fuck. But what the fuck happened? You know what I mean? <laughs> but he has that. And you can never take that from him. You can never take that ring. You can never take that. He even in that series, people say LeBron, but if you know, you know that LeBron that Kyrie was a spark to get LeBron going when LeBron wanted to quit. Like he has all that in his knapsack. And then everything after that has been nothing. So if he stops right now, he's still a borderline Hall of Famer probably. Because just because of that alone. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's you know I I, I I as I watch basketball now I often think about like how am I gonna explain this like what's going on to my son like you know I so I, I started an email address for my son just as we chronicle all the crazy times we're living in so the pandemic you know the government all this kind of shit but I started thinking about basketball and like if he's ever interested in that I'd be like yo dad what was Kyrie Irving like I was like man this dude yeah like his his ceiling is was incredible but man he was just a straight up looney tune and, and like after he won that title like just fell off the map lauren hill truly is the perfect analogy perfect analogy but the nba has always been scattered with guys like that guys that are really talented guys that if they ever lived up to their potential could be great could be one of the greatest players mm-hmm. ever and they just they just don't you know what I mean? I mean, even a player like Pistol Pete, you know what I mean? When you look at what he did in college, yep. and he just never really lived up to whether he got burnt out on basketball and he discovered life after, you know what I mean? It's all these things where if players don't truly love basketball, and that's that's one of the things. Like, LeBron, I always thought that he truly loved basketball so he could exceed expectations. Like, basketball has always seemed like to be everything to LeBron. 
It's the same way with KD. The only thing that's always hurt KD is he always had these little injuries. Not injuries to, like, change him, but he's yeah. always had these knee injuries and stuff that kind of derail him from Foot injuries. actually becoming his greatest player. You know what I mean? But he loves the hoop. And that's why I love James Harden and, and, and KD together because you can say whatever you want about James Harden. He loves the hoop. He going to hoop. <laughs> if he don't do mm-hmm. nothing else, he's gonna be at every game. He's gonna hoop. He's he's probably one of the healthiest players. Like he don't really miss games unless they just kind of sit in him. Um, but that Kyrie thing is a quagmire. Like I don't think I don't know if Kyrie ever plays basketball again, and that seems extreme. But every time you just like, hey, but it wouldn't shock me. Like the dude is literally not playing right now, and nobody has a good answer of why. <laughs> yeah. And and now you, you see the reports coming out like oh well they didn't they didn't consult me with Steve Nash I didn't really want to hire Steve Nash and you're just like yo where is this cut like in the middle of the season bro like what are you doing you know and at some point is a team gonna be like like this, I, in my opinion you, you really give the Nets the liberty to say like you know what we're good here we're gonna say this is contract duck dinner melt to the team we can send you on off and really stay on our you know on our plan. Because if James comes in here and works out, maybe D'Antoni was in there playing like, yo, Houston didn't work because of everything else going on. Get James here. We can win with him. Like that, we we don't know if, if D'Antoni was like, if he's here, we have a shot at a title within the next so-and-so. We can win it this year. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean so this is, this is from a basketball perspective. This is definitely uh, James Harden's best teammate in Kevin Durant. And this style works with Kevin Durant 100%. because Kevin Durant can play center. He can play anywhere from the center to small forward. So we talk about DeAndre Jordan. Kevin Durant can literally play center and be the center there for that team. And you can put shooters around him. Center, Jeff Green. Like, so this is a different version of small ball than we've ever seen before. Kind of the reason why they wanted him in Philly. Because if you put him with Joel Embiid, you could play that same style that he's used to playing. But with Joel Embiid, somebody that's super versatile. So – I and, and even with all that, the style that Houston plays, that shit works in the East. It don't work in the West. In the East, that shit can be dominant. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You know, man, I, I really am curious, man. You know, I, I know we're living in wild times when it comes to the NBA, but I, I truly think that, that if you're the Nets, why not? Like, th- just do it. And and I, I think you and I talk about Every episode or every couple episodes about where we think the NBA is going or the future, or like how good basketball is, like the style of basketball these dudes are about to play is legitimately something we've never seen before. Like we are about to get some awesome, fantastic grade A basketball. Maybe not in the short term because because Joms is about fifty pounds overweight, but like once he like now that he's serious and he realized like what's at stake, like. Sign me up, bro. Like, I'm watching this. Yeah, because, I mean, Harden, 50 pounds, underweight, overweight, not interested in playing for Houston, is still dropping 20 a game. Still putting up Easy, numbers. like 20 and 6, and he don't even want to be there. You know what I mean? So, if mm-hmm. he gets back to Just what, disinterested as hell. Yeah, so when he gets back to playing his type of basketball, and the fact is he don't need to be in great shape because that's he's not beating you with, like, this athleticism and being in shape. That's not his game. I, the thing with the Nets, though, I think that you're right. Addition by subtraction, what team would be willing to take the risk to come get Kyrie? I always thought Kyrie went to the Nets because he thought he could control the Nets and he would be the 
the guy and the focal point. He wants to be what LeBron James has been to organizations, but he has not. He don't have the resume, and he doesn't have. He's super talented, but he's not LeBron level talented, and he doesn't have the talent to take control of an organization. And I feel like that's what he's always wanted. You know what I mean? You don't think this situation that like can get really messy somehow this contract is void. We don't see Kyrie for a year, and then all of a sudden he emerges like a free agent, and someone's like, "Well, it's Kyrie. I Let mean, me give him a as long a, as a he shot. as long as he's willing to come in. There's gonna be teams willing to bring him in because, like we said, he's ultra talented. The thing is, is I don't know if you can void this contract. Best they could do would be cut him and stretch that money out. I mean, uh, but I think if you cut him now, I don't know if that option where that option year is. If he just wants to sit out. But shit, I'm telling you, man, I'd be trying to trade that motherfucker to the Knicks. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I, whoever the highest bidder, yeah. I would, I would send him. Bro, I'm trading. I would send him. I'm trading Kyrie for almost nothing, man. Whatever the minimum yeah. is to match that contract and get him out of there, I'm letting him go. <laughs> and if I can luck up and get an asset, even better. Um, all right, man. So. To the NBA season, right? We've we've started to see a lot of games derailed, postponed um, due to COVID. Um, yeah, we're seeing we're seeing guys that like are D, G League players. Uh, this season has been a, a a really tough season to watch. Now, with that said, there's still basketball on my TV almost every night, but. It's been a tough season to like really, really watch. You know, and, and, and even for your your, you know, I, I'll speak for me. Like as big of a fan as I am, man, you look at some of these games, and sometimes when these teams get down 15, 20 points. The game's over. Like you know, they're, they're, it's we're gonna sit our guys, we're gonna play the young guys, which is fine. You know, I'll check them out, but like doesn't feel like there's a lot at stake, and we're just trying to get to the playoffs, and then we'll just be trying to get to you know the next season. Yeah, but a lot of it is the scheduling. I think uh, I like the way the scheduling is is designed, but the fact that I do too, the fact that COVID is in play uh, has made it hard because you see a lot of big name players. Like I think in the first two weeks of the season, it was some great basketball. I think this week has been terrible basketball because of the COVID, and you see a lot of the big name players that have been playing great sitting out. You know what I mean? And they're out. Like, you got all the Boston Celtics out. You got Bradley Beal, who was playing amazing out. I mean, that takes a lot of the steam that the NBA had. It takes a lot of steam off of it. Zion. You know what I mean? So you got Zion out on every – like, this. the number of national televised games that that dude has missed, like, is really hurting the NBA because you can't, you can't build it up for him because he – What – what a worse way to start an NBA career from just a business standpoint. Yeah. Like, right? Like, if you're the NBA, you have this probably once-in-a-generation talent that you just cannot showcase. Like, you're trying to, but it just has not worked out in the, in the first year and a half. It's been great for Brandon Ingram, though. <laughs> like, Brand- It sure has. <laughs> and it's his team right now. Yeah. Like, he offensively, like, like that team is – it's a good situation. But if you're the NBA, you're like, damn, man. Like, we've been trying to get this dude on TV for I don't know how long, and, and, and it just ain't happening. Yeah, I think in his, I think once this all pans out, like, I think that Zion's going to be great, but I think Zion's going to be more Sean Kemp than we want to admit. Like, we want him to be LeBron. We want him to be this generational talent that changes the NBA, and I just don't think Zion's going to be that. I think in his, after this all plays out, Brandon Ingram's going to be the best player on that team. I do think Brandon Ingram and Zion work together. You know what I mean? I, I love that that pairing. 
But I think that Zion, I mean, Zion just feel limited to me, man. As much as he does and how impactful as he is, I don't think that he's that transitional talent that we thought it would be. I think he's going to be a great player. I think he's going to be a great player for the Pelicans, and I think this Pelicans team is going to end up being good. But I think the leader of that team is going to be Brandon Ingram. But you know what? For the the younger listeners out there that don't remember this, Sean Kemp was a damn good player. Like, yeah. he, even his first year in Cleveland, like, Sean Kemp was a great player. He had other issues, you know, mentally, you know, at, at the time that, that played into that. But see how, I'm not if, if Zion is a better version. The Sonics were a 60-win team for like seven, six or seven years straight. So I, it's not a knock to say that yeah. he's Sean Kemp. It's definitely not a slight. Like that's what I'm trying to say. Like if if he if he's Sean Kemp, he he could be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like th- that's that's definitely not a failed career. Um, you know, it is great for Brandon Ingram. The the biggest problem that I see with the the Pelicans right now is they don't guard anybody, and Lonzo's been terrible. Lonzo has been straight up terrible. Um, but you are starting to see cats come on. Know your boy uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker. Yeah, um, so. Some some of their young younger players starting to come on. I'm curious about this Lonzo thing, man, because um, they they now they started giving Kira Lewis minutes. Uh, and if you Lonzo, you got you got to start seeing that, right? Well, I mean, it, it it became alarming early because Van Gundy, Stan Van Gundy, wanted to put Lonzo like he said all the right things. He wanted to put the ball in Lonzo's hands. He wanted to give it to him. But Lonzo has just regressed. You know what I mean? And since his regression, they've had to put the ball in Eric Bledsoe's hand, which Eric Bledsoe's been playing well, but that's not what you want to do. You didn't even want Eric Bledsoe there. And now he's the one that's controlling the ball. You know what I mean? So it's just a bad situation because Lonzo comes with so many strings. Like you have to, he's like high maintenance. He may not be, he's high. He's the type of high maintenance that we thought LaMelo Ball would be. You know what I mean? Not by personality, but all these things that you have to do to make his game work. And LaMelo just fits. You put him on the court, he's going to do something to help you. Lonzo, you have to do all these things to cater to his game, to build his confidence, and all that. And you just don't got time for that shit. You got Nikhil Alexander-Walker that can be doing, making shots, making plays. And Lonzo's in a contract year. He turned down the extension, so he's out there playing for himself. He's trying to play himself into some money. I, I, just, I just think Lonzo's doing all the terrible. wrong things, man. And, you know, the thing about Lonzo is, like, it's one of those dudes who you're like, man, I could see if he, if he, he's one of these guys he came too late, like, his game came too late because he's a, he is a great. 2000s. I think he would have been great in the 2000s. Yeah, 2000s. I think he would have been great in the 2000s. And, and just, uh, like, a, like a, a Suns team, a Mavericks team, or even, like, he can play in half court, but. With him not being able to really depend on that jump shot, he's a. And it's not that Lonzo's a bust. He's a ball. He's not a bust. Player. He's a. He's. That shit that can't be in today's NBA. That, well, that if if all you can give me is dynamic passing, without the threat of a consistent jump shot, you can't be the dominant ball handler. Not with not with a player like Brandon Ingram that's the thing. and Zion, who you need a fast paced offense. Now, if you're gonna go sit down and set up in the half court like Chris Paul is doing in, in, in Phoenix, that's one thing. But their pace, you can't do that with those guys. 
Well, I actually think Lonzo, Lonzo can do it. It's the fact that you got a better point guard that's more efficient. Like, Brandon Ingram's a lot more efficient, handling the ball, making plays, scoring, hitting at the buzzer. So you can be a do- ball-dominant player for a team that doesn't have that. You know what I mean? That just needs someone to control the ball, get everybody open. Like, Lonzo needs to be on a bad team. Like, Lonzo needs to be on a team with players that can't score. You know what I mean? I was about to say, Lonzo needs to be in Minnesota. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, just a, a pure facility. You know who Lonzo is? and we, we He's a, probably a more talented version of Ricky Rubio. That's what Lonzo is. That's exactly. What I was trying. I was gonna make the connection. If you didn't, I, it was gonna be what I said. Like it, it's exact. Like he would work in Minnesota. You're exactly right. Yeah, he's just a more talented Ricky Rubio. I think that Lonzo can fix his shot. I think Lonzo has fixed his shot. That's the thing. But the problem is, is his confidence. He's and Lamelo Ball has a confidence that Lonzo wishes he had. And that's a, a lot Never of shooting. Had, yep. A lot of shooting is all about confidence. It's if you fix your shot, you see what happened to Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram fixed his shot. Now he's super confident and he's almost unstoppable because he can have a night like last night when he started off. He started off some shit like two for nine or two for ten. In the second half, he's still gonna shoot it. Lonzo's not like that. Lonzo, if he's hot early, then he's good. And he can go on a stretch of five, ten games where he's hitting four threes. He's knocking down that jump shot. But then one, one for ten game, and then he's hesitant. He's not shooting, and he's not making the plays anymore. But the fact that he hasn't had that confidence, and he turned down that extension, and he's trying to play into some money, that makes it worse because now that's a different level of pressure on him because now he's playing for yep, a contract. He's yep. And he's not just playing winning basketball. I think if he would have took that extension and said, hey, I'm going to stick with Stan and Gundy and I'm going to stick with these Pelicans and I'm going to be the third option and play that role, I think he would be a lot better this season because at the end of last season, his role was kind of perfect. But he 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 put him, he put this pressure on himself in order to play himself into a contract. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm not going to say unfortunately, I'm going to say fortunately for him, the NBA is designed whether, where it's not going to hurt him like we think. Because if all else failed, he's just a restricted free agent and he has to take whatever is on the table. So that's the default for yep. him. He's just not going to play himself into that max contract like Brandon Ingram did. He'll still be signed. Now, if his future is with the Pelicans or not, I still think his future is with the Pelicans because... I don't think Bledsoe's going to be there. I think Lonzo can play, and I think NAW can move into that two-guard role and then Kira Lewis be the person off the bench. Like, I think all three of those guards work together, but Lonzo's going to have to take a step back. And But you know what? Like I said, I, neither of us think Lonzo's a bust, but Lonzo's, for, for being the number two pick, I can't. I really can't see a scenario where Lonzo's like an all-star even. So, I mean, in that regard of where he was picked, he is going to be labeled a bust. But as a guy, I could see Lonzo having a 10, 15-year career being a, a very – and landing in the right situation, winning a title, like being a very important part of somebody's team. But it's it's definitely the role player type. Like if he ended up in Boston, I'd be like, all right, I want to see him with Tatum and Brown, and I want to see how that works. Like they're, they're, you're right. There's – there's situations for Lonzo to succeed. I'm not sure it's in New Orleans. Oh, um, he's, and, but the season's young. I'm not writing it off yet. Yeah, boss is a perfect situation for him. Yeah. I think that he just has to buy into his role there because I think Stan Van Gundy has been great with working with point guards like Lonzo. You know what I mean? So I think that if he just buys into his role and quit this trying to live up to that number two pick and get this max contract and be this and that, and that, that New Orleans team can be good with Lonzo being in his role. 
You know what I mean? Because it worked last year. Um, Brandon Ingram is not always going to be a time. Like, they're going to they're gonna start doubling Brandon Ingram where they need you to facilitate and do things and make shots. And there's a lot of things that Lonzo does well. Like, Lonzo rebounds the ball real. Lonzo plays defense. He can steal. He's a good defender. Like, yep. this, he can be in a role, but he has to get away from this thinking that he has to live up to be the number two pick. Like, it, it's, it, you're not going to happen. Like, but you can be a winner. You can still have a successful career and be a winner in playing your role. And it, I mean, I think that Sam and is going to do everything he can to try to make it work. But based on history, I wouldn't be surprised if midseason Lonzo start trying to force a trade, especially if I think like if Bledsoe comes back and then the emergence of NAW, I think that can kind of push, push him out. But I don't think they're going to keep Bledsoe. I think the goal is to flip Bledsoe for a pick. And then that opens up more minutes for all those guards. All right, man. Um, you know, season's young. I really don't know what to make of a lot of these teams, but I did want to just kind of say there are some teams I'm surprised by. There are some teams I'm very disappointed in. Um, so let's talk about that. Who, let's if, if we had a list of biggest, let's start with disappointments. Number one on my list is probably number one on your list, the Washington fucking Wizards. Yeah, definitely, 1,000%. You know, and the news just came out that Russell Westbrook is going to be out three to four weeks. <laughs> man, I hope Bill gets his ass out of there, man. And it's not even, it's just, Washington just seems like it's not a good situation because I don't dislike any of their players. Like, it, it, this seems like it should be either, either Bradley Bill's numbers are what I call those empty stats and he doesn't impact winning. Which I can't really believe because this dude is so good. And he wins when he, that's the only way they win, though. So I don't think you can say that. When he goes the fuck <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, that's the only way they can but win. Even, but, like, here's here's my knock on Bradley Beal, though. He, that game where he scored 64 points or 62 points, whatever it was last week, he only scored two or three points in the fourth. And I was like, man. And, and they end up losing by, like, a point or two. I was like, man, they need in the points. Like they need they need a sixty five, which isn't a knock on Bradley Beal. If you score sixty points in three quarters, you're fucking tired. Yeah. So like I, I get that. I'm not putting that on him. But Washington, man. But I'm gonna ask you this, because I know see you a stat guy, right? And I, I'm I'm an eyeball guy. I'm not gonna say Russ is washed, but man, I don't like what I see from him. I like I ain't gonna say he washed, but we we are clearly in in a phase of Russell Wilson's career that. Russell Westbrook's career that uh, it might not be fun to watch. Nah, I mean, I get I, I agree. I mean, even when he was playing, he was getting the triple doubles and he was scoring the 20 points in the first five games. Uh, it's something missing about his game because everybody was playing well. That's the kind of thing about it is he was playing well. I mean, he was getting people involved. Thomas Bryant was playing great awful Russell Westbrook. That's a big, that's a big that's, injury that's for That's a big loss for them. And I think – I want to say, man, if they didn't have these rash of injuries, that it was just new chemistry being together and trying to figure out how to play with each other. And then when you see Bradley Bill start to emerge, you see Thomas Bryant go down. You see uh, Russell Westbrook now out three to four weeks. You know what I mean? You see these rash of injuries where they never got on the same pace. But everything I heard is that Russell Westbrook was good for the team and Scott Brooks loved him. You know what I mean? But they just weren't winning. I believe that. But, I believe but, that but it's just it's, you know what am I what are we seeing on the court? But on the court, what you're seeing is the same thing we see with Lonzo. I think we're now in a 
in a situation just like we talked about with the big man. The big man that can't hit a jump shot is pretty much not useful. That's why we look at DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen. The Jared Allen, who's an elite rebounder, elite rim protector, we still kind of look at him with a side eye because he can't hit, he can't, he can't hit a jump shot. He can't hit a 20-foot jump shot. Andre yeah. Drummond, as good as he is defensively and all the things that he does, can't consistently hit a jump shot. And Stop there. Stop, stop on Andre Drummond real quick. Let's go back to my son's book, okay, in 10 years when he's asking dad, like, and he's going through the, the numbers and he's going to be like, dad, was Andre Drummond, like, as good as Shaq? Yeah. Like, like his number, is he Wilt yeah. Chamberlain or something? And we're, and, and you're not going to be like, actually, he was never even one of the 25 best players in the league at any point, really. Shit, have they, has he ever been on a winning team? I don't think so. I, think maybe, <laughs> I really don't. Maybe think one so. of those times when he was coming off the bench and it was Ben Gordon and you know he is rookie year or something like that. Those eight seed that that they yeah. constantly made the eight seed all the damn time. Maybe, maybe. one of those maybe. times, but nah, he he's a and his his stats are ridiculous. But the fact is, he's never really impacted winning. And it's because he needs the ball in the paint. He can't hit a jump shot. His game is just so limited. And we're gonna get on this. We're gonna get on this person too. But it's the same thing I feel about Siakam. <laughs> He's that same way. He's the same type of player. One hundred percent. And um, I just, I just don't know what to do with him. And Russ is in that same situation where I think we're in a situation where point guards that cannot consistently knock down threes or knock down mid-range jumpers are becoming dinosaurs. And no matter what else they do, they're just a liability on the court. They're just a liability. Um, yep. Now, I, I still yep. think that maybe if they switch it up and they put um, Bradley Beal as the person handling the ball and doing everything and Russ is just playing off of Bradley Beal, that may work. But as far as Russ being the ball dominant, the person that has the ball, the fact that he cannot shoot and they can play in the paint and off him and do all this other shit defensively, it hurts the team. Now, it, with Bradley Beal, maybe it works better like it was in Houston, but it's still going to come down to the fact that they're going to leave him wide open and that fucking 20% shooting from the three-point line is going to be a detriment. It's Ain't going to get it done. Now, that, that's one thing that I can say about John Wall where they might have made a mistake of trading John Wall because during the injuries, that's all he's focused on. He's shooting that three better. Shooting. Yep. And, you know, you, you really look at, you, you really look at, you know, the, you, you mentioned the point guards that can't shoot, and and it, it looks like Russ has kind of lost a step. Right, we're in a pick and roll, pick and roll, you know, matchup hunting um, NBA. And if you, like you said, if you lose the first step and you can't shoot, you're you're no threat offensively. We're playing five on four. That's why you're seeing like a dynamic playmaker like Ben Simmons. Like we actually need to move him. He can't be our point guard because he can't shoot. So, like, we need him to do what he does well, which is everything else, from a different position. And, I'm, and we need to take him off the ball. And I'm so glad they didn't make the mistake. Of, and I think I think that Seth Curry might have saved the Sixers. <laughs> Seth Curry single-handedly saved the Sixers by getting the coronavirus and get letting Tyrese um, Maxey break out. And with the breakout of Tyrese Maxey, is what we thought would happen is that if he could control the ball – and Ben's not the pure point guard, but he's the guy that can take it off the rim and be a Draymond Green type player. 
Exactly. Be the power exactly. forward, and you can still get ten assists and ten rebounds and all that stuff, but it's not the pressure on you. Lamar Odom. Yeah, you just take it off the rim. He can come in and be Lamar Odom. Yeah, and Tyrese Maxey can be the point guard. He can be the playmaker. He can be the shooter, the pick and roll guy to get Ben and Joel open. I love that for the Sixers, and I think the Sixers are going to be a lot better for it. I'm glad they didn't trade for Harden, but I think that's going to be Westbrook. Westbrook's going to have to make a decision, man. He's going to have to get more consistent at any of three, because if he hits a three, then there's a bunch of different things. It, he doesn't even have to hit the three at Bradley Beal and these clips. At, you know, he don't have to be there. All he has to do is be a 35% three-point shooter. A threat. A three-point threat that he can hit it. And, you know, we talk about the – in terms of, of – the Nets and yeah when these guys are 35 36 you don't want them on their team but you know what James Harden and 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 Harden. Kevin Durant's games yeah. they they age well though yep. like but I mean we don't know with Harden but like they age well a guy like Russ you, you know like I said I don't think this decline is going to be pretty and now I'm kind of looking at Washington like y'all might have just gave John Wall away for like no, you got the losing end of the deal. Yeah, I, um, at first I thought it was winning, but I think with John Wall hitting his jumpers, I think he would have been better at Washington, but I understand why he would have wanted to leave. Um, but the, the, you're right. That's the key with the Nets, and that's the only thing that I feel good about this Nets team is KD doesn't have the wear and tear on his legs that most players, and his game is going to transition like dirt because once he loses all his athleticism, yeah. he'll be able to just stand in the paint. The more weight that KD puts on, the more he can just become a power forward center that can hit a jumper. You see Marcus Gasol is still playing. That shit, he can play until he's 40. Yep. You know what I mean? And You telling me Harden can't do that? Stand in the corner and just knock him down? And Harden, his game has never been based off of speed. It's that herky-jerky move, get open, and then spot-up shooter. He can be, he's one of the purest shooters in the game. So if all else fails, and yeah. they have to bring in a, and that's, that's kind of why you need Kyrie Irving to, you know, be Kyrie Irving. You know what I mean? Because if they yeah. fall off a cliff, Kyrie can be the person to get them their shot. But, you know, Kyrie Irving's Kyrie Irving. You can't depend on it. Yeah. So, is there who who else is the biggest disappointment for you? Oh, man. You were a year late, bro. You were a year late. You, you should have called your shot one year later. Toronto Raptors, man. Toronto. <laughs> Toronto Raptors. And I know we're just 10 games in, but the... The biggest thing that I see with Toronto is they've lost their edge. Like, they don't have a – like, I, I I guess it was like, you know, you win a championship with Kawhi. That next year you want to come back and you want to prove that it wasn't just because of Kawhi. So you come in with a different energy. You come in with Fred Van Fleet trying to, uh, trying to get that contract. Now you got that contract. Kyle Larry's older now. He looks like he's probably washed. He's on his last leg. Siakam's limited. And OG – is an ultimate role player. He's never going to be like they thought he was going to turn into Siakam and he's not. He's just like a really really good glue guy role player. And even even a, a breakout guy like Boucher, you're like, "Oh, well this dude's legit." You look at him, you're like, "Wait, he damn near 30." Yeah, he's like 27. You know what I mean? Like old. it just <laughs> You know what I mean? He's 28. So it's like, you know, they're no they're they're not as in as good of a position as I thought they were like i feel like they are a team of role players that yes, uh, they are. And, uh, and with lowry playing at another level they can get better but when does larry do that and does he do it because larry is coming towards that he can't now i mean he's coming towards that fall off point he's 35 yeah 
He's going to be 35 this year. Like, it, it, it's over. You know what I mean? And if it ain't over, it's real close to over. And and now you look at Van Fleet different now that he got the money. Because before, this is this has always been Van Fleet. You know what I mean? Van Fleet's always put together three games and then disappear for a game or two. But now he's the highest paid player on the team. And I feel like, I mean, he's talented and all. I'm not going to say that he's not worth the money. But now he has to start playing like that every night. He has to be carrying that team. And this back, going back and forth with Kyle Larry, y'all can't do that. It can't be one night Kyle Larry plays bad, Van Fleet plays good. One night Van Fleet plays good, Kyle Larry plays bad. You can't depend on Siakam because Siakam gives you the ugliest 30-point triple-doubles you can ever. I don't even think you can win with him doing that. You know what I mean? It's ugly, man. It's slow. It's ugly. You can see a spin move coming it's, a mile away, and, all, and you're just like, I hate watching it. All 30 points is drive left, spin right, throw it up at the basket. You might make it if you miss second jump, tip it back in. Cut to the basket. They throw it to me. I mean, it's nothing like I don't even think it scares teams. Like They were playing Portland. I was watching the other night where he had a triple-double, and I don't even think Portland even cared. Like, just let him score. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. You know how I feel about that. All triple doubles are not made equal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I've, I've been less and less. And some of them are great, but some of them just like, yeah. But, um, but I think I think Toronto second is biggest my, biggest, dis- my biggest disappointment. Second biggest disappointment for me, um, the Denver Nuggets, man. Yeah. Like, who knew Jeremy Grant what's would going be on? So, so pivotal? <laughs> Jeremy Grant's been balling. Um, I mean, now it hasn't amounted to anything, but um, I listen. If I'm Denver, either we need to have a conversation. Somebody, somebody, ha- there needs to have a, be a conversation somewhere to say we have a lot of fucking assets and we have a a great player in Jokic. We need to figure out what the fuck Murray is because everyone got so excited about Murray and we thought that we were going to see this ascension. And now it's just kind of back to pre-bubble Murray where he's averaging, what, 20 points a game, four, four assists. You know what I mean? It's just like if that if that's what he is and that's his ceiling, that's not good enough. And and they got to figure out. And, and then if you're Mike Malone, you got to play these motherfucking yeah. dudes. Like I understand MPJ. It seems like he's a real pain in the ass. But like at some point, you got to see what the fuck he is. Like you got to play that. Well, they were trying. He just fucking got COVID. And as we said, his diet and all these things that goes on, when he gets hurt, he's not like... That raw veganism. He's not like everybody else. Like, somebody gets an ankle injury, they're out a week. He gets an ankle injury, he's out three months. You know what I mean? Like, he got COVID, and he's out for, like, three weeks. You know what I mean? So, it's... I don't know what you do. I don't... I think that if, if if it's true that they were asking for MPJ in a hardened trade, I really think Denver dropped the ball. And I think they've dropped the ball... On, I agree. On several occasions because, I mean, as much as I love Jamal Murray and I love what he did in the bubble, and, yeah, he can turn it on. And, you know, it, it's not about the regular season. Um, as much as we hate to admit it, Denver is one of those contending teams where it's all about playoffs for them. Um, and we saw Jokic do this last year. Uh, we saw Jokic come in fat, you know what I mean, and kind of coast. And they it's, it's the fact that they are good enough, I believe, to coast to a top four seed. And then I think they're only looking at the playoffs. Um, the fact is, though, I just don't like Jokic and Murray together because they both have that nonchalant attitude. I, I am encouraged by the fact that Will Barton looks healthy 
and he looks like he's been more aggressive and he's the one that's pushing it. But I'm with you, man. Is I don't like Murray being Murray, man. Murray isn't the takeover. I want Murray to be little. And it's literally been like this since he came from Kentucky. He's always had the talent. They've always believed in him. And he just won't do it. <laughs> he just won't do it. <laughs> At some point, like, here, here's my thing. You know, we, we talk about these teams who want to build through the draft, and Denver has done that very well. Like, they've collected assets almost better than anybody I can think of outside of Golden State. But um, at some point, you got to figure out what these dudes are going to be at their peak and when to when to sell for value and, like, be, be like, oh, yeah, okay, so we are going to be the teams that, since we draft so well, yeah, we'll pay for Kawhi yeah we'll pay for Harden like you know what I mean that's what they need to be or one of these dudes better start like like Michael Porter Jr if you're gonna protect him like this he better be at least as fucking good as Ben Simmons bro you know who I think they should go get and you're gonna hate this and I think it's gonna I think it would be excellent for them um as much as Paul Millsap brings and whatever he's still he's he's peaked I mean he's he's doing everything he can oh yeah he's washed he's done I think they need to go get Blake Griffin man I think Blake Griffin. I don't hate that. I think Blake Griffin would be the. I don't hate that because Blake Griffin is. We I see, we've been watching him in Detroit. Blake Griffin is no longer trying to be the Blake Griffin of old. He's he's realized that he's past his prime. He doesn't even dunk anymore. He's pretty much a facilitator, knock down three pointer, do everything that you need to do. You can run the offense run, through him. Run the offense through him, and I think that putting him and Joker together would be great. Because they can play off each other, high, low, pick and roll, do all types of things together. I would love to see Blake Griffin with because they're because Blake Griffin has that scoring mentality that they're missing. Like that, well, I can go get a bucket whenever you need it. And Jamal Murray has it sometimes, sometimes he doesn't. Will Barton has it, but sometimes he's not hitting his shot. Michael Porter Jr. has it, but that motherfucker can't play no defense. <laughs> I, I love if you if you if you're if you're if you're Denver, do you call up Detroit and say, "Look, man, Michael Michael Porter Jr.'s on the table. Nah, I we don't have to give you that for Blake." Like, no, no, no. I'm not saying straight up, but it's like, what what is it that we can make work here, three team wise, to where that like it gets us Blake Griffin and someone who's motivated, like that needs to take a chance on a star level player like Detroit. But it can't be straight up, obviously. Yeah, I think that if they could do something with. I mean, that Paul Millsap contract, I think it makes it bigger. Um, better for them because they can move they can make a move like that easy it's just gonna breathe they're gonna need to and that's what denver's looking for is draft compensation so i mean i think you can get this done for something super light like you could probably just send somebody like and if maybe they need a prospect so you send somebody like rj hampton um Millsap, and a first round pick for blake griffin and that'll go through i mean any of those yeah. pieces that they just got laying on the bench i mean it don't even have to be uh a meal set they have a couple of dudes is just sitting on the bench if you put them on another team Chill. that they can hoop they start yeah i'm trying to think of this dude's name man uh that that's kind of just sitting there and i think that he would be good let me pull it up uh dozier dozier pj dozier yeah pj dozier in detroit averages like 15 points a game <laughs> 15 20 points a game yeah i think if they could send somebody like pj dozier paul Millsap, and a future first round pick and get blake griffin 
that doesn't hurt Denver at all. They're not giving away anything that they're using. Blake Griffin fits perfectly in there, and I think he might be just what they need because I don't think they're ever going to make the big move to go get James Harden. But a player like Blake Griffin, where you're putting Blake Griffin on a team where most nights he's the fourth option, some nights he may be the second And he's option. motivated to, to win. Yeah, I, I love that. I would go to Detroit and and send that. Um, I don't know if they keep Paul Millsap or they send Paul Millsap to a contender and a third in a, with another team. But, I mean, that's what, that's what I'm trying to do if I'm Denver. All right, man, let's jump around a little bit. Um, some some teams that have actually been surprising for me, um, and we'll get to to where they, they, they are on my teams that I like to watch, but Charlotte. I, I, Gordon Hayward has been, I, I think, I, I, I ain't going to toot my own horn. I told you if Gordon Hayward can come back and be anything like what he was pre-Boston, that was going to be a move that worked for them. Yeah. Now, you've already seen Gordon Hayward break his finger. Now you've seen Gordon Hayward hurt his hip. And this like when, but when Gordon Hayward is on the floor, that dude's scoring twenty eight points, forty put like like the dude is hooping, and I like Charlotte. Now here's the that like that's the good news, right? You hit on a star in Lamelo. Gordon Hayward signing was right. The bad news is Devontae Graham stinks. Like like you know, and and I don't know what what it is. He just has not been able to get going. Hopefully, like he can get into a rhythm and really start to pick that up. Same thing with that Bridges boy. Um, Miles, like he's he's had a good start to the year, but you're expecting him to like show that he's got something else besides being you know just a role player. Um, I'm I'm expecting to see more out of their younger guys, not named Lamelo Ball. Yeah, I mean, and stop fucking passing Bismack Biombo. Why do they keep doing that? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why they just don't go small ball and have PJ Washington at center. That shit still annoys the fuck out of me with Cody Zeller and Bismack Biombo. That that that's annoying. But why I, you know, I always knew that getting Lamelo Ball was gonna hurt Devonte Graham because if you watched him last year, Devonte Graham was a ball dominant guard. Like he controlled the ball. Like Rozier could get it and go off or whatever. But at the end of the day, the ball was always in Devonte Graham's hand. Either one that brought it up, he took the shots, he controlled everything on the floor, and that's just not gonna happen with Lamelo Ball. He's too talented. I don't know that uh, Graham can play off the ball because even when Rozier had his great games last year, Graham did not shine. So I, I think Graham is good, but I think Graham has always been the type of player that he needs the ball in his hand. Like, I mean, that's when he was good at Kansas. Um, that's when he was good. That's why he was good last year. I don't know if he could. Now, he's he's coming into his role now, but I, I, I kept saying that I thought that Rozier should be the one to come off the bench. Now I'm starting to think maybe Graham should be the one to come off the bench. And LaMelo should start with Rozier and let Graham come off the bench and run the second team. That way he can be the one that gets Miles Bridges his shots easier. You know what I mean? And he can have the freedom to do whatever he wants. And I think that's a change that they need to they need to make to actually start winning. Because one of those guards got to go to the bench and LaMelo has to start. I mean, this bringing LaMelo off the bench shit is just getting ridiculous. You need to have LaMelo. Yeah, at, at some point. Stop like we're, we're 10 games in, the dude's getting <laughs> you know? triple doubles by accident. Like, LaMelo needs to start. Yeah. You need to start LaMelo. You need to yeah. start Rozier. You need to start Gordon Hayward. Bring Graham off the bench with Miles Bridges and then um, let them kind of control the offense. I think that – but Charlotte has been surprising. And I, I like what they're building, but I still think one of those guards has to go. Uh, Miles Bridges is never going to be what people thought he was. <laughs> I mean – He's just – he wasn't that at Michigan State. Him, him and Aaron Gordon are two of, like, the most disappointing 
like that type of player to me. I mean, he, like you know what I mean. Like the dudes you're just waiting on, waiting on, waiting on. You're just like, I ain't never gonna put it together. I mean, he came in at Michigan State the same way. You thought that he was gonna be this player, this dominant player, take control, and he didn't really get to start going until he became like the third or fourth option. I mean, that's that's just what he's gonna be. He's gonna be a highlight reel off the bench. You bring in, he can knock down threes, he can catch oops, he can spark momentum, and then you play him 20 minutes a game. That's what he is, you know what I mean? And I think once they make the change to their rotation, it, I think the, everyone in the world can see. <laughs> you know, LaMelo Ball starts, Graham and Miles Bridges comes off the bench. Maybe that's the lineup where you put P.J. Washington at the small ball five and let Graham go in there and be exciting with P.J. Washington, play fast, go shoot a lot of shots. Uh, my team that I'm most surprised by is the New York Knicks, man. I think you owe – Thibs That's what I thought you was going to say. Yo, I'm an apology, man. <laughs> I think he got these boys playing. They're playing discipline. And as we thought, these young guys playing all those minutes, it doesn't hurt them. You know what I mean? Randall, who's been underused his whole career, playing them 40 minutes, who cares? You know what I mean? They've And he getting triple-doubles every night. Offense runs through him. Thibs is totally okay with it as long as they play defense. And that's the thing with Thibs. He doesn't give a shit what you do on offense as long as you play defense. That's all, real old school. Like <laughs> You want to shoot from half court? Yeah. I don't care. Give me 10 steals yeah. and a block and you we You want to ISO and do yeah. all that dribbling at the power forward and take fadeaway threes? I don't give a shit. Just get back and play defense. Fine. <laughs> you know? But I, yeah. I really think that this team is going to see, like, they've already been playing well and they've been playing hard. And traditionally what you see is you see the Knicks do that and then they fall off. I think the difference this year is, he has those younger players getting confidence, like a player that we thought was completely broken in Kevin Knox. He's 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 going into his role now off the bench, spot-up three-point shooter. He's playing well. I hate that Frank Nilakina is not playing or he's hurt or whatever because I would love to see him with yeah. this. I don't know if he's hurt or he just didn't make the Alfred Payton balling? Yeah, but now the Alfred Payton thing is going too far. They need to put Emmanuel quickly in there and let him start. And run. He's the only one that can hit outside jump shots. Uh, I think th- he's he is a pleasant surprise actually because I wasn't a believer and I've been watching him and now he's starting to get hot. Now he's starting to like get the confidence, like you said. He they might they may have found a point well, guard. I think they did. I mean, I talked about this uh, last episode. Emmanuel quickly. It's that thing that we got now. If you stay in college another year, then you don't have this potential for growth. Like we all went crazy over Tyrese Maxey, and we should because he's a baller. He's a hooper. But he was a freshman. The person that got player of the year on that team in SAC was Emmanuel Quickly. Emmanuel Quickly played with Maxi. He was the player of the year in SEC. Nobody thought he would be. He was the best player on that team. He has that confidence like I talked about where he doesn't care. Like he has that LaMelo confidence where he's going to shoot the three. He missed. He doesn't care. He's running the offense. And that that little stint where he hurt his ankle and he went out, that kind of pushed him back. But I think he's getting back in that rotation. I think if they can get Burks back from his ankle injury and then Emmanuel quickly continues to play. I like this Knicks team. Now, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be a fun team to watch. And I like the growth that I'm seeing for these young players. But I think that there's a place for Frank Nidlakina on this on this rotation. I just don't know why he hadn't broken it yet. I, I don't know if he's hurt or what. Well, and you're forgetting the biggest thing. They're top pick has missed all but one game Obi Toppin yeah, like they, they're still they still have talent incoming and I didn't like yeah, what man, I saw you, you're personally, exactly right. I didn't I like what I saw from Obi I thought I think Obi is going to be another version of Kevin Knox uh, if you 
get away from your taking top 10 and you fit in your role. I think that's the best thing is Knox got a coaching change. Now that top 10 we drafted too hot shit goes out the window and he can just play his game now. I think it's perfect. That's still on Toppin, and I don't think Toppin is what we think he's going to be. You know, it wouldn't like Toppin could be that less athletic version of the Miles Bridges, Aaron Gordon types. Like, I mean, yeah, you're probably getting a real good role player, but that's not the guy you want at four. But I get it. He's the hometown kid, you know, from a fanfare. If he can just be good, the Knicks fans are going to ride with him. And he might be able to mask that they stole the point guard in the draft in Emmanuel quickly. Bro, so, bro what would have happened if they would have took Okoro? Man. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> a number of players. What would have happened if they would taken Patrick Williams? Yeah, true. Like, you know, we'll, 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 so we'll get to some of these rookies here in a second. But um, I like what the Knicks are doing, man. You're right. Um, and, and if you think about the way that they're trying to set this up, like an academy style, like they they, they want to be that Kentucky pipeline. Like they're, they're, they're like doing something very grassroots, and I'm interested in that. Yeah, I, li- I like um, the GM. I, I think the I, – I don't know, man. I think the agent, the former agent at GM thing might might start to be a trend. We, we've, we've, we've shown that it works when it comes to Golden State. We've shown that it works when it comes to the Lakers. And now you're seeing that, you know, Leon Rose, how crucial that – you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, you, you're exactly right because you're just bringing in – you're really closing off a gap, right? Like Relationships. They know – Two sides of this. Yep. So I, I like it. Um, let's bounce around just a couple places real quick, man. Golden State, uh, it looked ugly. Uh, Kelly Oubre still looks not good, but Draymond coming back has been crucial. And one thing that I will say, man, like, I do love watching Draymond and Steph together. Like, because they know how to play together, they know exactly, like, they know what each other's going to do. And Steph is having this season where he's like, you know what? Yeah, Clay's hurt, but we about to do this thing. Like now, some of these nights where, you know, uh, you wonder how long he can put up these strings of like thirty six like this and have those electric nights and, and they win, um, and they're gonna need a little more out of somebody. But Wiggins has come around. Um, you know, Wiggins is playing some damn good defense. Uh, Wiggins is hitting jump shots. Golden State could be closer to that version of what you were saying than the version of what I thought we were going to get. Yeah, I man, I think the biggest win of the season was, I think, Sunday or Monday night when Steph had his worst shooting performance of his career, and they won. Um, that's that's yep. showing the growth. Like, I've all, like, all this season, I've been watching Golden State, and to me it just looked like, number one, they got a ton of new players. They're trying to figure it out. But what it looked like is that they're learning basketball. Like, all those players they brought in, like, most of those players have been playing on bad teams. Even the Golden State players that were there last year, they're playing on bad teams. Now they're learning how to play winning basketball. And I knew when Draymond got there, it was going to change everything because he was going to hold people accountable. Like, I don't care, Oubre, if you miss four three-pointers. Shit, I'm going to miss four three-pointers. Get your ass back on defense. Play some damn defense. Get a block, and that's what you're trying to – you're starting to see. And that's the part of Golden State that I always had faith in. Not the part of the offense, because I don't know. You know what I mean? But I I knew that at some point in time, their defense was going to get better because Andrew Wiggins has always had all the tools to be a defender. He just never played on a winning team. You know what I'm saying? To play on a string and play with Draymond. Oubre has always been a great defender. He's just struggling with his offense right now. I still believe that they need a point, another point guard. They need a point guard. If they can get Jeremy Lin in there, I think that'll help. They just need another point guard outside of Steph. 
But then bringing in Damon Lee to hit threes, he's been that yeah. Clay Thompson light player. Yeah, he's for hitting almost fifty percent of his threes. Yeah. So I, I mean, I like this Golden State team. Uh, I don't know if they're a contender just because the Lakers are so good now. Um, but I do like what I'm seeing from Golden State, and it makes me think that okay, this year probably not a contender. Next year, you're gonna have some shit on your hands because if they can develop talent this fast and this type of offseason where you ain't had no training camp, no preseason, none of that shit, and they actually do draft Cade Cunningham or somebody like that, because I think this Timberwolves team is gonna be ass, by the way. They tear. So they're either going to trade that pick and get somebody else in there. Or they're going to draft another person to go with Wiseman. And this shit's going to get crazy. So, will Golden State win a championship this year? Probably not. But they're going to be a contender. They'll make the playoffs. They're going to put together some shit. But next year... Tell me why... Tell me why they can't be this 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 decade's version of the Spurs. Where it's like, oh shit, these, like Steph, Clay, and Draymond in like their 30s. You're like... These ain't even the best players on the team, and they're built yeah. around now. They're built around a Cade Cunningham, Jalen Green, or you know, and a and a, and a wise. Now these motherfuckers You're are like, the role players. <laughs> they are the role players. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like we've been we've been on that that like all these people who are ringing the Golden State like death toll. I'm just telling you, it's only a matter of time because they can get these young guys experience. They can learn to play together, and if they and hopefully if. And when they make the playoffs, get these young guys like Wiseman playoff experience, and then turn around and draft a motherfucker that that I mean, in a, in what's supposed to be a loaded class. Yeah, they laid the blueprint. They laid the blueprint. Yeah. you know what and I mean. People are chasing so, that blueprint now. That's why you uh, see all these teams getting all these draft picks because as of right now, and yep. I'm not, I'm I'm just saying right now, I don't think that they contend. But shit, this all goes on the development of Wiseman because. Believe it or not, at some point, Oubre is going to turn it on. At some point, Oubre is a career 35 to 40% three-point shooter. You know what I mean? He's always going to cut to the basket. He's always going to be an energy guy. He's going to play defense. At some point, he's going to come out of his slump. Like, we've seen it at Washington. We've seen it at Phoenix. So, the the offense will be okay. The, it's all about the development of Wiseman. The better Wiseman gets and how much he develops this season is going to be big for them. Because that kid is super fucking talented defensively win protecting shooting the ball like he's just with no preseason no summer league no training camp he's learning all this shit on the fly and he's getting better and better each game and i'm about to i'm about to give you this comp i'm about to give you this comp and you ain't gotta agree you ain't gotta disagree he's the comp that everybody wanted my guy to be but he's the comp that i see like this might be a Kevin Garnett type motherfucker, like like James Wiseman, like you know what I mean, like because he he's not really a three point shooter. He can it looks like he might be able to anchor a defense and have a consistent mid range game. And if 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 that is true, and they bring in an offensive talent next year, like we're talking about, these guys start to go from superstars to stars to just really really good role players. Like your boy MJ said, the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> Yeah, and it's funny that is that's not a bad comp because uh, Kevin Garnett came in out of high school really, really young, but he had, I can't remember who it was, he had an old veteran big man that was like Draymond Green where he learned his whole personality from. Like when Kevin Garnett came in, he was a cocky young player. I mean, I mean he's the best player of the nation, you know what I'm saying? But he got all that from, damn, who was it? I can't remember, but he had an old... 
No, it wasn't a big man. It was it was Isaiah Ryder. No, no, it was a big man. It was Isaiah Ryder. He had Ryder. an old big man. It, it's, it's, was it? Yeah, it's a big man that you wouldn't even respect either, but it was one of them old. Eddie Johnson. Eddie Johnson. That's like who it was. Whole hardcore Eddie Johnson. Charles Oakley yeah. type motherfuckers that, that yep. molded him. Just strong ass. Ah, what's his name? I see him. He's this big old muscular. I know exactly what you're talking I about. I want to say, it, I don't think it's Eddie Johnson. Maybe it was one of the Antoines or something. It was one of those guys, but... I think that Draymond Green is going to be essential in molding the growth of Wiseman. And once he can get the confidence, you're starting to see the confidence grow where he's taking three-pointers and stuff like that. He's just making rookie mistakes. But the better he gets, the better this team will get. And if all they need to do is take a – like we've seen, all you got to do is take a little bit of pressure off of Curry. It don't take much. Curry is still one of the best players in the league. And the gap between them being a playoff team and them being – Fucking contenders is all on how much offensive pressure can you take off of Curry to make him have more freedom? Because right now they're able to double team him and trap him and play boxing one and all this shit and nobody else's. But once that can't happen anymore, this team changes drastically. Um, all right, man. I really want to get to these rookies, but real quick, I want to talk about a couple things. Um, the Lakers are fucking good. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You, it, it, it's rare that you see championship teams get better. Yeah. Like in year two, like I think they, I think they're head and shoulders above where they were last year. The best, um, the best duo in the NBA is LeBron James and Marc Gasol. They're like a plus twenty six or some shit in advanced metrics. <laughs> the game just looks so easy. They, that I know, it, it, it's it's insane and and boy. Y'all, y'all, uh, just, just hold on, man. La- the Lakers are gonna be there. We ain't gotta talk about them. Um, Portland, uh, CJ, CJ McCollum is hooping. Dame kind of has not been the same this year, but um, I do have some problems with Portland. Um, Nurkic has not been the same. Zach Collins, the Nurkic thing, might never play a fucking NBA game. So they were talking about Nurkic, and they were saying what happened with Nurkic. His grandma, yeah, his grandma died, but. That ha- that shit happened like way back in like the bubble, I thought. But I think with the yeah. the no off season, he's never been able to go back. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And they keep saying that that's been like really troubling him. And you saw it in the bubble, which is understandable. And you saw it in the bubble too. Like he wasn't the same player in the bubble, and then only sixty days coming off injury. Yeah, and I, I so I don't want to be too hard on Nurkic, but they saying that's a lot of that shit. No, and I. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. I'm not saying he's been a bad player. It's just he's not playing like Nurkic. Um, and, you know, Zach Collins, you, you yeah, he's done for the season. Um, and, you know, you and I kind of talked about Anthony Simons. That dude's never going to be shit. Um, or at least it doesn't seem like it. Like, it doesn't seem like, you know, every year we're like, yo, once this dude makes the leap, once it, but again, he's that Shaquille, uh, was it Shaquille Henderson dude in Chicago? Shaquille just Harrison. like one of these freak athletes. Yeah, Shaquille Harrison. These freak athletes is just like, eh. Well, not that doesn't it doesn't qualify to NBA success. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Anthony's gonna be good. I just don't think Anthony's gonna be good with Portland. At the end of the day, that could be true. He's he's this is basically what college for him. 
I mean, he didn't even go to college. He went to prep school, came straight out of high school. He's been there with two of the best guards in the league. You have to find, with the emergence of Gary Trent Jr., you have to find minutes for Gary Trent Jr. So he's just out of rotation. At some point, Anthony Simmons is going to be a free agent, and he's going to walk onto some brawls, and everybody's going to be like, where the fuck he come from? That's what I think about Anthony <laughs> It wouldn't shock me. Yeah. It wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me. Or he me, could be Quinn Cook. It, but maybe you're right. He could be Quinn Cook also. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I, it, it hadn't looked good. I'm, I'm curious to see how long that lasts. Portland, I mean, you know, they, they have a winning record. Uh, CJ's leading the league in scoring, but I'm not super confident in them right now. I think Covington's um, washed, bro. I think Covington. That's what I was going to say. Covington's been a very big disappointment. Yeah, I think Covington, I don't know. But, he, but like, him and P.J. Tucker, bro, is playing all them little-ass minutes on these big-ass dudes. It looks like it's finally caught up to him. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. It just feels like they are just worn down. You know what I mean? Like, he's not even, mm-hmm. like, if you don't know Robert, Robert Covington used to be the best spot-up shooter in the league, the best spot-up three-point shooter in the league. And that's why they brought him in. If nothing else, is defense, spot-up shooting, and he's not even doing that. I mean, Carmelo Anthony, at the point where Carmelo Anthony's outplaying you on the offensive and defensive end, it's a problem. But... I mean, it's a problem. CJ and um, CJ and Dame is covering up a lot of their problems, though, because CJ is playing ridiculous. He's outplaying Dame right now, and Dame ain't even playing that well. Nah. Yeah. yeah, so you know, you see where Dame called out that reporter because they said that they thought Washington could be the best uh, backcourt in the league. And hey, come on, bro, like only backcourt that I think Dame is, is my guy, man. The only backcourt I think is better than them is Clay and Steph. Other than that. I, I like the way he asked that question back and then just stared at the dude like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, man, real quick. This NBA draft was was supposedly supposed to be, is it supposed to be or supposedly? It was supposedly not a deep draft. Um, hey, when this was it. This was the draft that, like, you know, there, there's not going to be a superstar in this draft. As I look up and down this draft, I think I might be able to get to 12 players that I, like, want that have been good. And you could get me to probably 15. Bro, I always, when I started looking at this draft, I always thought, and and I understand why. Because when you judge draft, you judge drafts on upside, right? How... Like, what's their upside? Yeah. What's the potential? What can they be? But often that goes wrong because what percentage of players actually meets their upside? There's not a high percentage of players that actually meet hit the upside that we predict for them, right? Uh, that's why I thought this draft was great because I thought this draft, you didn't have a lot of people coming into this draft with that that upside. That what the, what are they supposed to be? You had you had Wiseman, right? You had Anthony Edwards, and you had Melo. Other than that, everybody else was like, I don't really know what we can get. All it can be is a win. But you're right. Going through this draft, and I'm looking at the top 10, and OB Toppin is probably, and Jalen Smith, those are the only two players that I'm looking at that I don't like. Now, Aaron Naismith, we hadn't seen him. In- Killian Hayes was the other one for me. I still don't like Killian Hayes. I know he got hurt, but I wasn't liking it. Yeah, but I mean – even with that, like, like that's because you're expecting these guards. You, you're so used to these guards coming out and being so dynamic, right? But when you look at Killian Hayes and you look at his size, 
And then you look at players like Colin Sexton and some of these other guards that it takes a year or two for them. even like Darius Garland. Like Darius Garland really struggled last year. Kobe White, they really struggled last year. Then you come and you see the development this year that they have. So a lot of times it's just playing. And I like what I saw. Like Killian Hayes has a lot of moves and he has size and he has a lot of things, but he just didn't know the, the game. The thing I don't like about him that that I could that from just what I was watching him was I don't like he's too slow. Like he plays the game at a very slow pace. True. Like maybe that's the style they wanted to run. Like, I don't know if they're like, hey, you're a half court guy. And of course we got a limited series of him and we probably we may not get him the rest of the season. Um, but I, that was where I was looking at. Maybe it was just too soon to tell these guys hadn't played with each other. That's fair. But when I looked at the way he was playing, I was like, man, that's slow. You know why you feel like he's slow? So because you're so used to these players like Westbrook being six five, six six, and moving so fast. But it's the fact that he's so big. He's way bigger than we think he is. That's why he looks so slow. Yeah. Uh, and it, and that's not good when you're the size of a Darius Garland. You're six two, six one, and you move that slow. But when you're six five and probably still growing, because most men you could grow up to the age of twenty two. Like, he could be anywhere from 6'5 to 6'7. If you look at, listen to mm-hmm. Derrick Rose talk about him, that's what's kind of selling me on because Derrick Rose keeps talking about how big he is and how he's the future of the NBA. And because all these, he's like, Derrick Rose said he's a dinosaur because he's so small at guard. And that just shows how big he feels like Killian Hayes is, not just in height, but in kind of girth. He hadn't even put on the weight that he's going to put on, but he's a big guard to be 18. Like, this kid's yeah. 18 years old, and he's like 6'5". He has an NBA body, and he hasn't grown into any of it yet. And that's what I think they love about him. And to go with that, the way he moves with, like, his step-back moves and getting into the lane and doing all that, he just doesn't have the confidence that he hadn't figured it out. I think Killing Hayes is going to be really, really good. And I didn't think that at first. But just by watching them and looking at roles, I think that Killian Hayes, I think we'll see a jump from Killian Hayes next year just because of size. That size at the point guard can be big. I hope so. I, I, I've i not been a fan to this point. I wasn't a fan pre-draft, but I hope so. As we as we look at the, let's just focus on lottery. Um, and we, we talk about some of the other guys that got drafted outside the lottery because, it, dude, this is deep. Like, here's the thing. I look at this draft and knowing what I know now, knowing what I know now, and I don't think this was a mistake and I don't think we're gonna write, I'm, I don't want it to seem like I'm writing this dude off. I don't think Anthony Edwards should have been the first pick of this draft. Now, I say that in terms of because I don't think he's going to be the best player in the short term. If you told me three years down the road, like Anthony Edwards was just a, a fucking monster I'd be like alright I believe that but he's he strikes me as, and maybe it's cause I'm scared like maybe it could be like a Wiggins type but he does everything like he's fast as fuck he's big he can shoot seems a little streaky his defense can be there but I still don't know exactly what he is I understand the the the, the, the like the comps I've seen to Dwayne Wade I don't know about that, but, like, I really don't know what he's going to be. Anthony Edwards has some bad fucking luck, bro. (laughs) That's all it is. Um, He's the most talented player in this draft. I still believe that, looking at his college film, everything that he does, body type, all that. Minnesota having that first pick is just shit for him. And it's because Minnesota literally had to take him. 
because he's the only position to need that they had. You know what I mean? He can't take Wiseman because you're not going to put him against with Cat. You don't want to take Melo because you just traded. You can't take Lamelo. You just traded for D'Angelo Russell, and they're not going to really fit together. So if then they tried their heart out to trade that pick to get it, so he'll be in a better situation. But now that he's there, you have to find because now you have to search for what he is because he's in a situation where he needs to be a role player with D'Angelo there, Beasley there, Cat there. Like where where does he? Because he's a ball, he's a ball dominant player. He's a guy that you put the ball in his hands. He needs and ball you say, in his hands. Go get me a bucket. He didn't go to that team. Like if he could have just, if something could have happened, he could have failed. Even to the Knicks right now. You put Anthony Edwards on the Knicks, and that's lovely. He looks great. Literally anywhere outside of the top three yes. would have been great for Anywhere. Him. Even if he goes to the Bulls, well, that's not a great situation. But you put him in small forward, he fits that style perfectly. Anywhere outside of being in Minnesota, Golden State, <laughs> or uh, even Charlotte. Charlotte fits. Even Charlotte. So yeah. anywhere outside the top two. Yeah, anywhere outside the top two, and it's great. Yeah. And it's just situationally he went there. I mean – They've been, but the good thing about it is Minnesota has been looking for a player like that. Like they they got Okogie. They went and they traded up to get Culver. They went and they signed Malik Beasley. So they got their guy, but now they got like four or five people there in that same position. I just don't know. I think Anthony Edwards is going to be really good, but I think he's going to be one of those guys. I just hope he doesn't turn into Shabazz Napier. That's the, that's the, the trick. No, I don't see that. I see him as being a guy, like I said, that's that. like, I don't mean in terms of their game is similar. I just mean in terms of their stats being similar. Like, if he's Wiggins, like, Wiggins can get you 22 to 25 a night if you want him to. Yeah. Like, Edwards, I think at worst, will be that. Um, like, a, a cat that, that can score, because like you said, man, he's big, but he's lightning fast. Yeah. Um, so, he... I think he has that ceiling, but as we look up and down this list, man, Wiseman, we think is going to be a beast. Lamelo Ball, absolutely. It, I, I love. I just. I love watching him play. I love. I love everything about Lamelo Ball. Um, Patrick Williams. I thought. I thought that was kind of a reach. This dude's getting like serious comp, uh, comp, um, uh, comparisons to Kawhi Leonard, like Scottie Pippen types, and and you know that sounds crazy. But when you just look at him and realize, like, I don't know exactly what he is, but they got something to him. Yeah, I, I like, I like, I thought Anthony Edwards like was the best player in the draft, and I always say you don't draft, you don't draft for need. And so I am glad that Minnesota took the most talented player and then figured this shit out later. You know what I mean? So it's not great for Anthony Edwards, but I think that it's good that Anthony Edwards because. The one thing that I think could... But that only works if you have smart basketball people around you. Like, Minnesota's not proven to be a good organization like that. True, but it also means that he has to earn his minutes. He's not going into a situation where he's entitled. And for a player like Anthony Edwards that has always been in that type of situation, this could be good for him because he went to Georgia, you know, to play. You know what I mean? To do what he wants. And that's only that's always kind of been the knock on his games. He takes bad shots. He doesn't play defense. He doesn't do all that. Well, now he's in a situation where they have other talent in front of him. In order to get on the court, you're going to have to play defense. You're going to have to, you know, play smart within offense. So I think this can help Anthony Edwards be a better player. And then he has a guy that, you know, worked for everything he got, like Malik Beasley. Malik Beasley wasn't a high draft pick. He worked to get that contract. And he's fighting with that dude for minutes. He's fighting with Jared Culver for minutes. He's fighting with Okogie. So the guys that he's fighting for with minutes is 
are guys that he's going to have to add to his game in order to get better. You know what I mean? And, and I think that this could work out for him like it did for James Harden. You know, James Harden had to work to see minutes on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Get that time. And it made him a better player. That's fair. And I think that's what I could see for Anthony Edwards is the, the fact that he's going to have to fight to get his minutes on the court is going to make him better all around. Because his offense is – that's one thing you never question coming into this is his offense. Correct. That's, that's there. It's all the intangible shit and all that shit. And I even think with this bad team that he still has to fight people in his position to get on the court. Um, you mentioned Isaac Okoro earlier. I I love that pick. I mean, you know, I didn't have time, but I, li- I like what they're doing. Um, Danny Abdia. I, I want to stop. Um, Hold on right there. He's been... I shit on Isaac Okoro, and I was comparing him to Chimney Aquinoa from last year. Okoro's he's the he's the deal. He's the he's the perfect yeah, thing he's good. that the Cavs needed. Exactly what the Cavs needed because that backcourt was the worst backcourt defensively in the NBA. But Colin Sexton can score. Garland's a pure point guard, and that's exactly what they needed. Is Isaac Coral, a glue guy that can defend and do everything they need. I love that pick for the Cavs. Yep. Yep. Um, Danny Abdi has been he's been fine. Uh, you know, nothing right home about. You know, Killian Hayes hurt. Um, you know, the Hawks with Onyeka and Gongwu. Um, Hadn't seen him yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, he ain't getting on the but, court yet. I, well, I think he's still dealing with the bro- broken foot. Yeah, right before the draft, he had surgery or something on that broken foot, so he's still healing from that. So we hadn't seen him. But he's actually big because that shit going on between Trey Young and John Collins and John Collins, John Collins. turning down his extension and shit. They're going to need to get him up to speed as soon as possible because I don't think John Collins is there. Maybe not after the trade deadline, but definitely not next year. And then you go to the Suns. Yeah, the Jalen Smith pick was bad time. It's bad now. I I won't say it's bad, but he hadn't proven to do anything. Devin Vassell, I I like the pick. Um, And, of course, like you said, he's he's earning minutes. He's going to continue to fight for those minutes. Um, But the Kings, man. Tyrese, Tyrese Halliburton is is as advertised. Like we all knew that he was the most NBA ready player in the draft, and here he is averaging like twelve and six and four. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and he works with Fox. He just and it and it works perfectly with Fox. Like, works per- perfectly for that team. The Kings got to figure out like they they may just need to say, look, man, we fail with Bagley. He may not be a bust, but we need to move on. Um, and get some assets for him because I think he needs to restart, and I think I think they they should probably just move on at this point. Um, you, now that you figured out that Tyrese Halliburton is probably you know I, I think a guy who has all star potential, you can quietly get rid of Bagley um, in some form or fashion. Yeah, that that Bagley thing is really holding everything back because Bagley, whether he wants to be or not, Bagley's a center. He's a center. He's not a yes. he's not a power forward. He wants to yes. be a power forward. It's kind of like Anthony Davis wants to be a power forward. Don't want to be banging. Don't want to be in the lane. But you get your your most potential out of Bagley at center. And I don't think he's better than he doesn't do as much as Rashawn Holmes. So we got Rashawn Holmes cheap. You don't really have to pay him a lot. So why do you? So they're trying to alternate him, and it's just not working for anybody. You know what I mean? Uh, but Bagley needs to be on the team where they're bringing him in to be their starting center to with the versatility to hit threes and take you off the dribble because power forward. Because the problem is, is in 2000s, he would have been a great versatile stretch power forward. But now power forwards are literally small forwards. 
and he's not he don't handle the ball yep. he doesn't do anything like put robert covington on him and he doesn't do well there's anything. a few guys there's a few guys in that similar like class range you know i look at him i look at wendell carter i look at larry markinen and i'm just like you know these are guys who in the 2000s would have been perfect power forwards like a pal gasol type a, 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 a um you know what I mean? Like they, they would have been really good players in the 2000s when the power four was at its peak. But you look at it now, and it's just as talented as these guys are. It's just not working. Um, and and you know it's time to move on from. And I think Chicago has probably realized that too. When you've got you know, marketing obviously can't even get on the floor right now in a contract year. And then you talk about Wendell Carter. Well, marketing, um, marketing. I think has, it's time that they got COVID. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I think you look at it now and you're just like, we're going to have to move on from these guys. And Patrick Williams, if he really does start to emerge, it makes it a little bit easier. Patrick um, Williams is crazy. But I love Halliburton. Patrick Williams is crazy. And you can actually see it now. And it's probably why he was hard to hard to gauge as a prospect. Um, you would probably have to go to his workout because he modeled his game at the uh, Kawhi Leonard. And there's really no flash in Kawhi yeah. Litter, but he's he does everything like that at all. That mid-range jumper, defense, athletic freak, knockdown. He just plays perfect basketball. Like it's nothing exciting about it. Even and and to get the compliment from LeBron James to say, yeah, that dude, he's going to be good. Yeah. Um, that tells me all I need to know. I'm sold. Um, and then you get to the to the to you know the lottery. Aaron Neesmith, again, man. I know you're a Danny Ainge guy. But at some point, you got to stop wasting these fucking picks. Like, I, like Aaron Neesmith can't even get on the fucking floor. You know what I mean? You got your cat that you drafted in the second round, Tyler Pritchard, who's out playing your first round draft pick. No, now, Pritchard, also Pritchard, you were able Pritchard to find was a Pritchard. first round pick. They had two. Oh, was he He was last pick? Are you right. He was 26. You're right. But you, you, you've got your non-lottery guy out playing your, your lottery guy. Yeah, but um, I don't think you can. That's my issue with Danny Ainge. Yeah, I don't think you can do that, though. Um... Because Neesmith, you brought him in for a specific reason. You brought him in because of a skill set. He wasn't Pritchard. Pritchard was that guy that been there four years. You knew what you were getting for him. They just said that he didn't have a lot of upside. Everybody knew Pritchard was going to be good because they saw what he did at Oregon. Neesmith, he injured himself last year, um, set out. But you bring him in because he's like 6'7", and he's a pure knockdown shooter. But then... You, you got to give him some leeway because they don't have – he didn't play all of last year. They don't have any summer league. Which they is don't fair. have any training camp. Shit, they all got COVID. And then the, the positions that he plays is where your best players are. <laughs> I mean, Jalen Brown and but Tatum. Th- right. But that's what I understand, though. Like, why wouldn't you take a Sadiq Bay who we all were like, the dude's NBA ready. Like, if you're going to take that player at that position, why don't you just take Sadiq back? Because you don't take a player, you draft for upside. Anything in the in that range, you're doing for upside. That's why I said Pritchard is playing because you don't think he has high upside. Like Malachi Flynn, cold, but he don't got a lot of upside. You know what I mean? He's like yeah. 22, 23 yeah. years old. They're yeah. not going to grow a lot from that position. Now, they can turn, he could end up turning into Marcus Smart. I don't know, but the upside in there, a player like Naismith, they have comped him to Chris Middleton. And Chris Middleton didn't come in just killing. You know what I'm saying? He has the size and ability. When you add things to his game at an NBA level, then he can turn into more than just a shooter. So, I, he, although he's not playing now, I don't think you can say it's a bad pick until two or three years down the road. But, but my point is, Danny Ainge has picked a lot of dudes who have been, let's see, with two, three years down the road. Because they still, uh, uh, R.J. Barrett, 
probably never going to play for them. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just... RJ it's, Hampton. And they, they supposedly you like RJ, him. No. RJ Hampton, I'm RJ sorry. RJ Hampton with the Denver. Or, nah, who, you, you our, talking about... Uh, our, who, nah, you talking about dude that just had hands... From last year. Romeo Langford. Romeo Langford. Yeah, that's thank you. One of the light skin <laughs> uh, Like, you you look at where they're, they're drafting in essentially the same position. It's like, okay, we missed. We haven't had a good draft pick since Jalen Brown. Um, you know... You got to get somebody in there that, like I said, even if they would have taken Cole Anthony, who's who is getting some shine now that Markel Foles went down, who Foles was fucking balling this year. Um, Josh Green getting some run in Dallas. Like, I mean, there were good players to take that I think would have. You have enough guys that, that we'll see what they are in five years. Yeah, man, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I think I, I disagree because me personally with the draft, I want to get players with the high upside. I mean, I understand getting because there's. Every draft? I mean, as many as possible, because the reason why I say that is because it's so easy to go find these other guys that can just be another guy, that just can be a role player, just be a guy that can come fit in. You can find these guys everywhere for cheap. And I don't want to use my draft capital where I have control over this player. I want to look at a player that has upsides maybe I can develop. If I can put Naismith, if I lose a year this year on Naismith, but Naismith is learning behind Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum of how to play basketball and he don't get on the court until next year, that's fine. Like, I I, I mean, Romeo Langford, yes. But I, I'll gamble on talent. If if talent like that and those players are were supposed to be lottery picks and they fall to me at 10, 15, 16, I'm going to take them. And if they fail, they fail. But I'm going to gamble on talent at that point. And then later in the round at 28, 26, I'm going to get a player like Pritchard who can play. But if you're telling me anywhere in that 15, 16 range, I get a player that falls, I'm going to take them. I mean, and if it fails, it See, fails. But then – I don't understand. Like I said, it's like you got a precious uh, Achua, a Tyrese Maxey, RJ Hampton, Emmanuel Quickly. Like there were dudes that could help your team and you could develop them. Like all those dudes aren't ceilings. We have no idea how good Quickly and RJ Hampton are going to be. But they were like, well, in the case of RJ Hampton, we all thought he was going to be a lottery pick. Yeah, but I mean, I understand why. You know what I mean? I, I understand why he did it, though. He did it because of shooting. You need shooting around Jason Tatum and Brown. You know what I mean? And that's why, if, if you're looking at it from Danny Ainge's perspective, with a healthy Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, you don't want to bring in Tyrese, Maxey, R.G. Hampton, people that need the ball in their hands, right? You want to bring in someone that will compl- I mean, compliment them. Um, Precious Shua, maybe. I mean, you know what I'm saying? He could be a guy that they could have used. But with them going a lot of small ball and putting Jason Tatum at the four, or you playing him at the five, you know what I mean? I don't know, but I think Naismith is a fit in what they're trying to do because if it works, then you will have somebody that can relieve pressure and you have that size to go with it because he's at 6'7". I don't know if it's going to work, but I think I think knocking Naismith right now is probably not good because he's one of those slower developing players because the only thing that he came in with is the ability to shoot. He wasn't a creature shot guy. He was a knockdown shooter at 6'7". So it's going to take him more time to develop more skills. I don't even know if he can dribble. No one's ever said anything about his dribbling or anything. All you know is he's 6'7", and he can knock down threes. I don't know if he can get his own shot. So that's what you're trying to develop. Yeah, I mean, I just I think if you're the Celtics and you've got two lightning talents um, in brown and green, I mean, like we talked about earlier, if you're in a soft rebuild and you feel like he, you know, he just needs a year, I can see that. But man, if you're telling me that you've got 
Tatum and Brown who are about to enter their prime, you know, because they, they are still young. So maybe it is on that, that, that okay, we'll, we'll see where we are in two to three years. But with the NBA being so open, I just don't know that I agree with it. But I, mean, I, um, I, I don't like um, Romeo Langford. Romeo Langford is going to be end up being a bad pick, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think Naismith will be. I think Naismith, because I think you take Naismith because his floor is still a knockdown shooter. And his ceiling is you can add to his game. At the end of the day, they can get him where he can be a spot-up shooter, which the Celtics need. I mean, when you got your best shooter on the team in the bubble was Marcus Smart, yeah, I need a shooter in there. <laughs> All right, man. Um... That's pretty much what I got. Anything before we get out of here? I did at the end want to talk about these COVID protocols, man. What do you think the NBA is going to do, man? I think that the NBA failed with this COVID. With They tried to do the schedule in this series, but they did. I don't think they planned for when someone gets – because all this shit is really tied to, like, three teams having a positive test and the NBA allowing them to fly to the game. <laughs> and then you do contact tracing. Well, if you look at it, we all know based on the NFL – that your positives can come anywhere from five to seven days after the first positive. So, okay, they didn't test positive today. Why are you going to let them fly to games? I think that's the biggest thing that they're going to have to fix if they want this season to go. When someone tests positive, you cannot let that team fly. You're just going to have to postpone those games for the week or something because that's what's been the biggest problem. Yeah. Um, for me, man, I think Adam Silver is the best commissioner in sports, but I feel like they really dropped the ball on this. Um, you know, it seems like the easiest thing to do would have just been to, like you and I talked about, you know, in the offseason, like we talked about with football, like why not create, you know, three to five bubbles? Yes, it's expensive, but if we want to get this season done and there's not going to be fans in there anyway, why not do a bubble in LA? Why not do a bubble in Atlanta? And why not do a bubble in, in Dallas or something like that? Or even if it's not LA, Vegas. Players whatever. wouldn't do it. They they were totally against it. So I mean, we can say that, but the players were. And I can see totally why. Against it. But but man, at the at the at this point, like we talked about, the games haven't been great. The product the product hasn't been great. And now, what happens if LeBron gets this shit? You know what I mean? Like like we're we're really talking about doing some long-term damage like what if what if somebody like what if Luca gets this and is never the same you know what I mean like what if a real star gets this and you know just never really recovers from shit I think Joel Embiid Joel Embiid got it right like Joel Embiid got uh had to sit out those games because he sat next to Seth Curry I don't know if you've seen him last game this motherfucker literally set his seat underneath the basket away from everybody so when he goes to the bench he don't sit next to nobody. He sits by himself. And I think you're going to have to start. I think you're going to start seeing it. I think you're going to see like Jalen Brown and those players being isolated away from the team, even when they're on the bench. Um, just because when you go to contact tracing and all this stuff, some players are in a health and safety protocol, not even because they had it, just because they shook hands with someone that had it after the game. So the NBA has cut all that shit out. They have to wear masks on the bench when you leave. There's a place where you catch your breath that you have to put your mask on when you go back to the bench. But at the end of the day, the NBA is going to have to change their travel schedule. I know they want to do these back-to-back -back games and shit, but I think on the second half of the schedule, they're going to have to space this shit out more because that's the biggest problem. They have it set up in like back-to-back -back games and then fly out. But when someone tests positive, they don't want to cancel like four games. But you're just going to have to go ahead and bite the bullet because now you end up canceling 10 games and postponing 10 games because of that. Yep.
and they and they they've already talked about not wanting to postpone because they don't want to run into the Olympics. They don't want to run into the NFL again. This has been the NBA and the players have kind of agreed to say, look, man, we got to get through this thing. Like one way or the other, we got to play these games. We got to just, we just have to get there. And, and if we can get to next season, we'll be all right. Now, the smart thing that they did, though, is they didn't, they haven't done the second half of the season. So if the second half of the season has to be done in a bubble, they are actually prepared for that because you only have one half of the season already mapped out. And so if this just doesn't work, and they have to go back to a bubble. And I think that might have been what they had in mind, is if this first half of the season doesn't work, guys, we might just have to do a bubble for the last 30, you know, the last five months or four months. And then hopefully we get back on track next year. So I think I think that's what um, that's what they did. I think that's why you didn't get the back half of this schedule is because they want to see if they can make it work without doing a bubble. And then if they can't, I think they will go back to doing a bubble. Because you already see they're already testing parameters with this G League shit. That, yeah, you think that they're just yep. doing it? No. They're testing some shit. They ain't just no. me doing it. You know what I mean? Yep. That means that if they have to yep. do it at the so second half of the man. season, the infrastructure is already going to be set up and they can transition smoothly. Yep. So, we'll see, man. Uh, I'm hopeful. Like I, I think this is going to be one of those things, like you said, the players – the NBA and and also the fans, we just got to get through this season. That's what it is. No matter what, we just gonna have to get through it. Yeah, but shit, that's it. That's all. I do want to give a shout out to Jeremy Grant, man. Jeremy Grant's balling. Uh, we can say whatever you want, but my man Jeremy Grant said, "Yeah, I could have went back to Denver. I could have been on a contending team, but I want to play for a black GM. I want to play for a black coach. I want to play. We talking about this black power activist movement. I'm going to a team that's trying to build something with all black black people in charge." And I'm going to support that. And he went there and he averaging 20 and 6 full. Shout out to Jeremy Grant, bro. I'm with it. I love it. I, I hope more players start to do that shit too. All right, man. That, that's it. That's all. We'll be back next week. Peace. Peace.